Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of VI Shots. My name is Michael Ivaliotis and this is the podcast devoted to the world of LabVIEW. With each episode, I bring you interviews, discussions, and share with you ideas for how you can take your LabVIEW development to the next level. Well, thank you again for joining me on this episode of the VI Shots podcast. Today, we're going to dive into the world of LEGO Robotics, and specifically, we'll learn about a new version of Mindstorm's educational robotic toy from LEGO. At this past Consumer Electronics Show, CES, in January, LEGO announced and displayed the Mindstorm's EV3. This is the next generation of the previous Mindstorm's NXT and the first major revamp of the platform since around 2006. The last update was in 2009. The new Mindstorm's EV3 has several enhancements, including an improved brick and improved sensors. However, it's also the first version of the brick to run embedded Linux, which is in itself pretty exciting. Just as in previous versions of the robotic kit, National Instruments continues the collaboration with LEGO in this new version. They're releasing a new programming environment for the EV3, which is improved and should make programming much easier than before. Now, to help us understand what all of this means to the LEGO Robotics fans and also to the educators, I have with me several guests, uh, both from National Instruments and LEGO. Uh, from NI, we have Greg McCaskill, who is the Chief Software Architect for LabVIEW. Welcome, Greg. Thank you. And we also have Nicole Richard, who is a LabVIEW K-8 through Software Group Manager. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you. And from LEGO, coming all the way from Billund, Denmark, the headquarters of LEGO, is uh, Fleming Bungard. Uh, hopefully I pronounced your last name, Fleming, correctly. Uh, he heads up the electronics and in product technology in LEGO. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So let's, let's get right into it. Um, Fleming, can you just give us an overview of some of the features of the new EV3? So the main P-break, as we call it, uh, the central brain of the product is, is um, a P-break, as we call it, including an ARM9 processor. We have included a substantial amount of more use of memory uh, in the P-break, primarily based on that the earlier version had uh, issues with not enough uh, memory. So, so we have included quite a lot of, of memory. It's a Linux-based system uh, that we have. So all in all, that enables us to, to execute programs faster. Uh, we have uh, included an additional output port, which enables the user to connect uh, more motors to the system. We have included uh, a better user interface on the P-Brake as well. So we, it's, we have more buttons and, and a, a better um, menu system within the P-Brake. So all in all, we have tried to to make the the central brain more powerful uh, while also trying to make it more accessible for for our younger children as well um, so that's the main p break uh, to the set we have also made uh, two motors um, the new motor is uh, uh, the new large motor is more uh, easier to build with. Uh, it has the same performance uh, in relations to power and speed as the earlier motor, but it's more building-wise, it's easier to build with. Um, then we have made a smaller motor, which is uh, it's a little bit less powerful, but still it has uh, the ability to give a, a feedback on the uh, the number of rotations as the other motor 
also has. So it's it's a, a little bit smaller motor, making it easier to make functions on your robot. So those are the actuators in, in the system. Um, on the input side, we have uh, five different sensors. We have a, a touch sensor, which we say makes the robot able to feel. Um, then we have a, a color sensor, which we state makes the robot able to see. So the color sensor can see uh, up to seven different colors. It can measure reflected light being used to do uh, uh, line following, and it can measure ambient light uh, as well. Then one of the new sensors that we have is a gyro sensor, which uh, enables us to, to measure uh, rotations um, and angles uh, by accumulating the values from, from the rotations, of, or from the rotation speed, of course. Um, another one of the new sensors is an IR sensor that we have made, which makes it possible to do some simple proximity measurements. It can react to a remote control and it can also be made uh, reacting to a remote control in the sense that it can uh, indicate in which direction the, the sensor is and thereby make one robot follow uh, the other robot. Um, and then we have a, a new ultrasonic sensor, uh, which we also had in the earlier versions of, of the system, but the new one is, is, uh, is much more accurate uh, compared to the old one. So we're down to plus minus one uh, centimeter uh, in accuracy on the new ultrasonic sensor. So that was a, a very quick uh, run through of, of, of some of the key improvement areas on, on the hardware compared to the existing system. Now, in the uh, the P, the P brick, as you as you call it, um, you said there was a new ARM nine processor, and that's a little bit more powerful than the ARM seven that was previously in the in the Mindstorms. And, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so the ARM seven we had before was running around forty eight megahertz or something like that, and the new one is running at three hundred megahertz compared to to the NXT. Uh, so it's it's running somewhat faster, but of course running the embedded Linux uh, in the system. Uh, the memory is larger, and I think specifically there's 16 megabytes on this one uh, versus 256k previously. And is is that this is, is this memory uh, memory? We I guess we could use that for programming, loading programs into memory of, as well. So the the 16 uh, megabyte of flash that's included uh, on in the product, uh, some of it is of course used for the embedded Linux that's running. But basically, we have around five megabytes of available user memory uh, free out of the box compared to around 100 kilobytes in the NXT uh, when that one was, was launched. So it's a substantial amount of more memory uh, available for the user. And on top of that, then the new system actually also have a, an SD card slot, uh, which enables you to to insert an, an SD card and thereby increase your, your memory to up to 32 uh, gigabytes of, of memory. And the so the additional SD card memory can be used for user programs as well, correct? Yes, it can. You can store programs or sounds or images or data log files or whatever. Okay, so definitely we can be a little bit more sloppy in our programming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I can tell you, it takes some time to fill up a two gigabytes memory. Right. Um, now, the the embedded Linux um, in this in this brick, how exactly can that um, 
what what kind of features can that can that open up for the end user? So if as as we see it, we have uh, different target users. We have the the children as as normal users. Um, who are primarily using the the product as we ship together with the with the software. Um, so for for them, most of the time, they'll not see a difference on on the Linux side. It's more for the advanced users who who can go in and tweak the the system as it is. Meaning, we release all the source that we have uh, uh, built upon uh, in the into the Linux community, and and they can then start changing or making new libraries or new functions, uh, and thereby change the behavior or the performance of the brick for for whatever they want. But of course, it requires you to to understand somewhat more about uh, the technical details of the product. So it's for the advanced users that the the embedded Linux comes into play and enables more possibilities, um, which we, of course, at a later stage can include for for the children if if we find it uh, relevant. The, the programming uh, of the of the brick can be done several ways. I guess you can um, you can control the your robot in several ways. Of course, there's the programming uh, as before on the PC or then or the Mac, and then you can you know download it to the brick. Uh, I'm I'm aware that there's a new programming method where you can program it um, uh, called on brick programming. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. So. Actually, on the NXT, we had a very, very simple approach to doing on-brick programming where you, using the, the simple screen and the buttons, you could select the predefined blocks and combine them uh, into a program. So we have enhanced that on the new system where we have, I believe, is it 12 or 15 different blocks that you can select between and then connect them uh, in a sequence and thereby make a, a very, very simple program on the brick itself uh, to do uh, controlling the motors, play a sound, show an image, uh, read a sensor value and react upon that. Um, so it's the simple program that you, that you could do on the brick. And then you can save those programs and you can actually uh, load these programs into the software and, and then see the, the same uh, program as it would have uh, as how you would have programmed it within the software if that were the approach that you were using so it's a little bit enhanced and enables you to do a lot uh, on the on-break programming actually and linking that into the software in, in a nice way one other new so that in it sorry go ahead yeah, I'm just saying that that enables you to actually get uh, up and running quite fast that when you out of the box you get the product you can then put in batteries and then do some very, very simple programming, but still you can make your robot run around on your on your floor uh, at Christmas Eve, if, if that's what you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much of that was kind of, because I know over the years you receive, uh, Lego receives a lot of feedback from customers uh, on how to improve the product. Was kind of the on-brick programming one of the uh, requests? Uh, I would say yes, um, given that we implemented some of that for the NXT platform, which was launched prior to, to this one, we, we learned a little bit and people were requesting it. But And, and then we started uh, developing upon it during the, the development time and we saw that it actually showed a very good result and people were very positive uh, towards expanding this uh, functionality. Now, so it is a, a joint collaboration. Uh, one extension to the uh, Lego EV3 will be 
the ability to be controlled by um, mobile apps and uh, specifically Android or iOS devices. How how is that? How does that work in the EV3? So what we have improved is that we have tried to. Uh, what we have done is that we have included the the MFI from Apple, so we can connect to Apple devices in the new uh, EV3 product. Um, and that, of course, enables a lot of possibilities on, on iDevices. And the way it works is that um, you can send what we kind of say uh, bytecodes, which is that's the, the technical term for for the programs that are executed on the brick. So you, you can build a, a simple program, transfer that from an iDevice to, to the p brick, just as you do from from, a, from the host software application as well. Um, or you can send what we call direct commands, uh, where you kind of say, turn on motor A at, at power 50 for one second. So we have special commands that enables that functionality. So you can kind of... Uh, uh, build these programs and, and then send them to the P-Brick either using USB or in the iDevice uh, scenario you use uh, Bluetooth uh, instead. And the same actually goes for, for Android phones and, and or other phones as well that you, you build up these simple programs and then you transfer those to, to the P-Brick and it executes those programs. And it can actually execute a, a normal program and then you can send a direct command in, in parallel as well. And, and have that executed. Now, some of the uh, accessories that were announced um, were, you said there was the gyro. Is the gyro going to be shipped with the consumer version? The gyro sensor is shipped uh, with the education version mm-hmm. and will be available at, at, at shop at home uh, for, for the consumer market. It will not be included by default within the, the retail market. Okay. Um, also, I heard that there's the ability to add a Wi-Fi dongle. Yes, so the the EV3 includes uh, a USB host uh, port as well, which enables you to to connect a, a, a Wi-Fi dongle and thereby have access to to an ex, a Wi-Fi access point, uh, which in, will enable the the host software to communicate with the P-Break uh, using Wi-Fi instead. So the, the P-Break, you can communicate with that either using the USB uh, or using Bluetooth or using Wi-Fi. So for the EV3, uh, National Instruments has made some changes to the, the programming language that, that ships with the kit. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that and some of those changes? Uh, sure. So we um, so basically Lego, um, Lego interviewed hundreds of educators and really looked at, you know, what what features were um, what features did teachers want to improve? What what else did they need to be able to teach the concepts that they wanted to teach? You know, what were the pain points? What were the strong points? And um, we took all that in and really designed the software, designed the language differently. So um, one of the biggest biggest points was the readability of the language. So, for example, a teacher would you know wanted to be able to look at a student's program and be able to easily see what their configurations were without having to click on each individual block and dig into its you know, associated configuration pane. And then being able to print out a student program and it quickly be able to look at it in one glance and grade it. So with that in mind, we tried, we pulled all the configuration of all the different parameters and modes onto the block itself instead of a separate configuration pane like NXT has. So the blocks themselves are very interactive, very clickable. and 
you know, we collapse different modes and different parameters all into one single block. So you change, you can switch between different modes of a single block. Like for example, the motor blocks, you can switch between you know, moving for rotations versus degrees. And as you switch the mode of the block, the block expands and contracts. So that's one of the big changes is just the look and feel. And then we've really you know, looked at the continuum as a whole. So we do the current continuum of Lego, we do uh, the Lego Mindstorms mm-hmm. NXT and then the, the Lego for, um, or the Lavi for Lego Mindstorms. And what are the, what are the you know, gems of each of those different products and try to bring those into the design of Lego Mindstorm CB3. So we brought in features um, like we do where blocks just blocks are colorful and they snap together easily, but you can also click on a sequence wire in between them and expand it to easily build a program in parallel. We brought in debugging features like probes and execution highlighting and um, a hardware connection center where you can see live updates of your sensors at AutoID. So a whole different slew of features like that. Now, uh, we we know as, as Lavi developers that under the hood, um, kind of the core functionality of the, the, the language is, is LabVIEW. And um, so as the, as the LabVIEW language improves, I guess you pull some of that into, into the, uh, the programming environment for the LEGO. So over the years, um, more and more features from LabVIEW have shown up uh, in the LEGO software. Um, with Mindstorm's RCX, LabVIEW was used primarily as a graphical editor for RoboLab, but the LabVIEW code didn't actually execute on the brick as part of a runtime system. Um, it, it just acted as a, as a compiler to generate code that would run on the brick. With NXT, it was a basic subset of LabVIEW that started to run on the brick and Features of LabVIEW, such as while loops, started to actually be used within the user's program as you would in LabVIEW. And EV3 um, has an even bigger portion of the LabVIEW language included in it, including a few extensions, things like the interruptible loop um, that uh, you won't even find in, in professional LabVIEW. Uh, what, what do you mean exactly by interruptible loop? Well, it's a very cool new feature, uh, which was requested uh, by teachers and students that allows one portion of your program to to interrupt an ongoing operation, a, a sound or a motor or, or a loop, um, so that you can pr- keep your robot from falling off the table or um, make it more aware of its surroundings, more coordinated. So uh, somewhere online I read that uh, the previous software or the, the development environment, or the, I guess the language, uh, was using uh, measuring values and comparing, doing comparisons for different values. And this version uh, has like a different model, kind of like a wait for a change model. Can you, uh, can someone describe how that's different this time around with the, with the language? I think that may have been referring to um, just some, some lower level implementation details. Um, actually, what it may have been a reference to was that the previous one would ask you, um, um, it, the, the blocks would compare against a standard value. So is the light brighter than 50 or darker than 50? Um, the newer blocks have additional modes that do let you wait for a change. And that, that gives you a simpler syntax for, for certain programs. So maybe that's actually what it's referring to. Mm, okay. Now, the, uh, the previous software, uh, I've worked with it, and it had the concept of the beam, where you had to have a beam and, and make these connections with the beam. Is, is, I, I think that's not there anymore, correct? Actually, the beam turned into a, uh, a plug. Okay. <laughs> uh, when, the, 
<laughs> when the blocks are snapped together, you do not see the plug. It's not as evident. Uh, but there is still a strong sequencing element in the language because for the most part, you do want the block operations to be sequenced. Mm -hmm. But as Nicole mentioned, um, it's now very easy. It's much easier and much smoother to branch and do operations in parallel. Now, uh, with the Linux embedded environment, how, how different is that uh, for, for the graphical environment? Do you take advantage of that uh, Linux environment at all? or Well, the capabilities... Uh, like networking and memory management, they do take advantage of the Linux capabilities, but um, they're not really exposed within the blocks. Um, it, it, it's all exposed at a much higher level, and it's very much about robotics. So the Linux features are, are more there for the power users and also just to make the product more, um, more stable and more capable. So we're not going to see an embedded LabVIEW version for the brick? <laughs> well, we did say that. <laughs> Uh, Nicole, uh, when you when you started at uh, National Instruments uh, at the beginning, you didn't first get into Lego robotics just yet. You were uh, you were doing something else at National Instruments, and then you got introduced to to the Lego platform. Can you describe um, how you got into Legos? Yeah, so I was actually working with our data acquisition products, um, developing application software for those. And um, we have a number of those used in the academic setting. So there's a product called NI Elvis that I was working on for a couple of years. And in that, I had the opportunity to, um, basically when we did Lego Mindstorms and XT 2.0, they needed a project manager. And so I happened to be developing other academic software and um, had the opportunity to take that, take that on. So... Around that same time, the Lego Weedy project came up as well, and I basically jumped both feet into both of those. And uh, with your experience with with Lego, I think you kind of saw an opportunity there to to make an impact for for kids and education, right? Absolutely. Uh, over the last couple of years, I've had the opportunity to take donations of the Lego Weedy and Lego Mindstorms and XT products to rural villages, schools in rural villages in places like Cambodia and Vietnam and India and take kids that, you know, in some cases have never even seen a computer before all the way through to building and programming robots. So it's been amazing. You know, Legos provide such a structure and platform for just creative thinking and um, tinkering and problem-solving skills for these. And these kids in these set settings have just never really had exposure to those kind of tools before. So it's been amazing to see to see what they can do with these products. For many of them, it's the first time they've ever even seen Legos before. Yeah, and it's, it's great that uh, you can take engineering and um, make a difference uh, in, in the next generation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, these, these kids that I've gotten to work with in those particular settings are just so hungry to learn. You know, they all, like, for example, I was in Vietnam last summer and all the kids knew the word for a laptop, but none of them had ever used one before or seen one. And they're just hungry for it. So it's a, it's incredible to see how, you know, the things that we take for granted here, the knowledge that we have here, the technical literacy that we all take for granted, how big an impact that can have on, you know, sharing that with kids that just don't, don't have that. That's great. I hope you get to do more of that in the future and uh, travel abroad. Me too. <laughs> uh, Greg, um, a lot of the community knows you as someone who's developed on some of the original uh, LabVIEW core code. And can you explain how you got into the uh, 
the robotics. I know you're very involved in in the first robotics as well. What is your um, involvement in in the Lego? We were approached by Lego uh, when they began working on NXT. Um, our involvement in the Mindstorms RCX product was uh, really through Tufts University, and and Lego was looking to see if we were interested in being more involved. Um, so, like Nicole, I thought it was a great opportunity. Um, and so I actually formed a small team and led up the development of the Mindstorms NXT uh, editor um, and compiler and execution system. Since then, I've been able to stay involved with educational software and educational products from NI um, as we expand into that a little bit more. Um, and we've been able to take the NXT and its uh, uh, associated software into competitions like uh, first technical challenge, and we've been able to take LabVIEW real-time, LabVIEW uh, and, and the Compact C Rio into things like the first robotics competition. So we've been expanding ourselves, uh, you know, up in age. And also after the Mindstorms NXT product, we did WeDo. Uh, we were involved in the WeDo development. So we've been able to expand uh, the scope of our educational products. And that's been very fulfilling. So I'm still involved in day-to-day LabVIEW development, but focusing on on educational products. Uh, Fleming, can you talk about how, because uh, I think uh, the, the new system is somehow compatible a little bit with the older NXT. Can you describe some of the compatibilities? Yes, I can. Uh, so on, on a compatibility level, what we have uh, strived towards is that all motors and sensors available for Mindstorm's NXT can be used uh, on the new system. Um, programs as such have changed, uh, so you cannot uh, just simply use the same programs uh, on the Mindstorms EV3 as you can on NXT. But I know that Nicole and Greg can elaborate about the compatibility on a software level as well. But on, on, a, on a hardware level, that's where we have focused uh, our compatibility. So you can use... Um, just so I understand, so you can use some of the old sensors on the new hardware? Yes, all the sensors for the NXT platforms can be used on the EV3 platform as well, just as you can use the EV3 sensors. Um, also, the, the bricks can communicate with each other, correct? Uh, you cannot uh, make a new EV3 brick communicate with an NXT brick, but you have communication between EV3 bricks and you have communication between NXT bricks, but not from an NXT to an EV3. Okay. And the communication between the bricks, uh, you can do either through uh, Bluetooth, where we kind of say on the EV3 platform, you can have one master and then up to seven slaves in, in a Bluetooth network, and thereby have a, a kind of like a, a swarm robotics where, where they communicate and, and can solve tasks together, uh, where on the NXT you can only have one P-break using three uh, slaves or communicating with three slaves. But the, a new feature that we have also implemented on the EV3 platform in relation to making P-breaks communicate is that we have uh, enabled uh, daisy chaining up to, where you can have up to four P-breaks connecting uh, using USB where we then connect uh, through the host interface on one to the client interface on another P-break. So that actually enables you to have one P-break that can control up to 16 input uh, 
ports and 16 output ports in one program. So does the uh, the, the the secondary connected PBRICs become kind of like slaves, I guess? Yes, they they are executing kind of like uh, direct commands. Uh, they do not have a program running on their own. Mm-hmm. They execute commands uh, sent from the master. Well, that's cool. Uh, you can you can probably create some elaborate uh, robots with that if you, of course, have the money to buy all those bricks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of um, course, of course. Yeah, but uh, I, just coming up with. Uh, ideas on how to test that was a challenge for us <laughs> to, to use 16 motors and, and 16 sensors in right. a useful way. <laughs> Actually, so how did you guys test these new uh, EV3 features? Did you uh, release some kind of preliminary versions to, to the community to have them try out and, and see if your new design was was robust? We, we did uh, some early, early stage uh, in the development from a design and a look and feel perspective and buildability. Also, we did some testing on, on mock-ups where we kind of saw, does this design look acceptable and, and pros and cons on the design, of course, and also in relation to production. Uh, so that was done uh, very early in the process on, on the design and the size and, and buildability of, of the elements. Later on, we have then done some uh, some testing uh, with uh, users both being teachers and 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 children in relation to to some of the the new features um, to try and and nail down what are the the good points and what are the bad points on each of the the topics um, so that have been done throughout the development and then of course in in the final end we have done some uh, some more QA uh, testing um, and some samples have also been shipped to to uh, some AFOLs, as we call them, that's uh, AFOL stands for adult fans of Lego, uh, where some of them have signed up for a session where SAMs have been shipped to them for, for testing. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm volunteering to be a tester if you want to send something my way, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, this, yeah. I, I, I guess I'm one of those adult Lego fans. Um, I, I could fall into that category. Yeah, yeah. Then we'll have to get you in contact with the right persons <laughs> internally at Lego. <laughs> so um, so I'm, I'm not confirming that. Yeah. <laughs> so can you talk a little bit about the uh, the software, the programming environment? Has there any been uh, any? I know in the previous versions there was an environment where you would walk through the building of the robot um, as kind of a step by step, and I think that was developed by National Instruments. Um, is there something similar with this release? Yeah. So in this. In this release, we have a tightly integrated content um, editor or a content tool. So basically, this content tool walks you, walks the user through their entire robotics experience. So you'll enter the software through a lobby that's very interactive and shows you all the different you know, possible models you can build or different lessons, different different teachings. And when you click on one of those, the software will open with that tutorial or that that activity fully expanded to you know, give you a video of what you might build or just some introductory concepts. And then as you click through the next step of that, it may show you the building instructions for a model. And as you click through, the, the activity pane, the content pane will expand and shrink to show different parts of your editor as you need to use them. There's also, it's also tightly integrated in that we can embed buttons inside of these activities that will, for example, open the correct palette and highlight the block that you need to use or let you embed uh, videos or programs 
or bring up different experiments that highlight concepts that, that the tutorial wants to teach. So it really, it's really great about exposing different pieces of the editor as it needs to, to walk a student completely through their robotics experience. And with this version, you can actually not only you know view those activities, but you can edit, you can author those activities within the software itself. So teachers can very, very easily create their own interactive dynamic content for students to fill out, or students themselves can either, can also use that as a workbook to document their robotics experience and, you know, take pictures of the robot, save their programs, and basically basically create a digital workbook that they can then turn in. Uh, Greg, uh, some of the sort of the development environment interface features of the new software are look look really really nice and, and intuitive, and of course they have to be because they're they're geared towards uh, young teens. Can you talk perhaps about how some of that uh, R and D effort could perhaps get back into the uh, the professional development environment of LabVIEW itself? Sure. One of the reasons we engage with Lego <clears throat> and find the um, the relationship very very helpful for our own business is that we learn a lot about how people interact with computers and how they learn about uh, robotics and about programming. So we fully expect to take advantage of, of all the, the cool new things and all the ease of use features that have gone into EV3 and make those available in the future to, to regular LabVIEW users. Okay, because I, um, I guess uh, speaking as a LabVIEW professional user, um, the, the development environment is, has kind of, it's kind of old. <laughs> it looks, looks kind of old and it's kind of stale. And I like nice colors and, you know, good user interface uh, elements to be able to use in my development environment. So I'm hoping that some of that will definitely uh, translate into the, into the pro environment because that would be more fun for us. Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, as I said, the Lego it, it relationship gives us a chance to experiment and sort of act as a test bed um, for new technologies. So, so that's what's underway. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to some of that. So I'd like to thank, uh, from National Instruments, Greg McCaskill. Thank you. And uh, Nicole Richard. Thank you. It's been great being here. And from Lego, I'd like to thank uh, Fleming Bungard. Thank you for having me. And thank you all for listening to this episode. If you like the VI Shots podcast and want to support the show, please go to the iTunes store and search for VI Shots. That's VI with a space and then Shots. And then go leave us a review. The more reviews we get, the more visible the show becomes to a wider audience. Any reviews are appreciated. Thank you and bye for now.